hear the scripture. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and John 3, 13 through 21. We'll begin with Ephesians. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. Continue playing, please. You let the world, which doesn't know you, know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with the polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We did all that, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. You know, it's a wonder God doesn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in the world and the next to show grace, shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging, bragging that we had done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates us by Christ Jesus to join him in the works in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better begin doing. John chapter 3, 20, 13 through 21, this is the gospel. No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from the presence, the Son of Man. In the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe. It is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up and everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expecting, trusting and expectant, with, will gain a real life, eternal life. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his only one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't, didn't, do, didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the whole world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe 
in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran into darkness. They went into the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates in pleasing God. But everyone who makes a practice Let me go back. But everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But everyone working and living in the truth and the reality welcomes God's light so the work can be seen for the God work that's in, in us. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you that you are almighty and all-knowing. Lord, I thank you that you have sent forth this word. Father God, I ask that you would give us what is needed in this time of hearing your word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. So Father God, I thank you that this word will pierce our hearts and our minds in a way Move, move me, move me, move me behind the cross, Father God, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be sweet unto you. For this is your word, your time, your moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. To God be the glory, and the glory is given to God. In a praise worship, in a praise service, we all have to think about how good God is. Amen. What are you thankful that God has brought to you thus far? And what are you thankful that God has woke you up this morning? Is there something particular about today that you can say that you're thankful of? If God brought you this gift, and he said, in this gift, I offer you hope. Would you take it? Some of us would say, yes, give it to me right now. But others would say, if I have to make any changes, uh, you just leave that hope right over there. And so the gift of life that he would be offering us would simply be an empty box. It would be nothing there, and there would be nothing in there for us to receive because our unwillingness to receive the gift would allow the gift simply to be empty. But if we said yes, we would be accepting a gift that literally would be the gift of light. It would be able to shine and bring illumination to any place that was dark. If you strike one match in a dark room, the light will pierce the darkness and it will be never dark again. If the light of God comes into your life and pierces your darkness, you will never be the same and the light will shine down upon you. Why is this important and why do we begin our journey here today? Because God has sent a gift, a gift that will transform every life, everywhere, all the time. 
He offers it freely. It is a gift of hope, but it's even greater than hope, for he offers the world eternal life. And some of us say no. You may say, Pastor, I've never said no to God. And I would say by the Ephesians passage, we have. Because we become comfortable in who we are and how we live our life and even in how we make our decisions. If we become truthful with ourselves and are convicted at the moment, the last time we gave something to God, it was a long time ago. We give and take it back, give and take it back. But we struggle with just giving it to God and believing that he can make things different. The sermon today is simply, be fruitful, serving well. If we had to give it another title, it would be that we are saved to serve. God has called us into a relationship with him. He hasn't just said our name, but he died on the cross that we may have life. What does that really mean to us today? Some of us would say, I'm not real clear, but does it mean I have to change my whole life? You know, I really like the gift and everything. It's a nice thing. I appreciate it, but I really am not sure that I want this salvation. Can I get it later? You know, I'm really still young. I got a lot of time to live. Can I get the gift next week? Tomorrow's not promised. The gift is giving and it's giving freely over and over, but yet and still, he calls us to accept the gift. You may say, look, I saw him met somebody and they accepted the gift and they didn't seem to be changed that much. You don't know what God, by his grace, has done to transform people's lives from the inside out. Everything we don't see in the transformation process overnight. All the steps don't occur in the twinkling of an eye. He doesn't just touch us and all of a sudden we are brand new. But yet he does through the grace of God. That touch makes us different. So let us begin and look at what it means to be fruitful and what it means to serve well and also what it means to understand salvation is about eternal life. He didn't save us for fire insurance. He didn't save us so we could tell somebody, let me put my hand behind my back. I'm good and saved, but I can do whatever I want to do tomorrow like we were in the childhood moments. But God didn't save us that we wouldn't have transformation. He saved us that we would be made different. We are to be fruitful. We are to serve well. But we're also to understand that if we want the gift that keeps giving, we have to have a new willingness to walk by faith and not by sight. Many of us know John 3.16, but we don't go forward and read 16, 17, and 18. So I want to put this in capsule and put the Ephesians passage where I want us to pay attention today. John 3.16 through 18 simply says in the Message Bible, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his only son, his one and only son. And for this reason, 
so that we would not be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone, anyone, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Let's pitch a tent right there. That discards the fact that you thought your cousin couldn't be saved, that Papa can't be saved, that the man up the street who drank in the morning couldn't be saved. We all have issues, but God offers salvation to all of us. So some of us are tipping around and saying, I don't think so-and-so ought to be saved. Thanks be to God it's not in our hands. And the gift didn't come for us because we would cancel most of us if we had a chance to. Amen. Some of us would turn around and say, if I knew where you came from, well, everybody's got a closet story. If God presented all our closets wide open right here, right now, we'd be in here shouting and putting the curtain up and trying to move across. Wait a minute, God, don't show, don't show that. Wait, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, that's not my story. That's my cousin's story. Oh, that's my brother, my sister. Whoa. We'd hold back and get real excited with a cover-up program. But we're quick to let everybody know everybody else's story. But God said, I came that all might be saved. So for the one we don't want in the, up in heaven, we're all going to be fooled because he's offered it to everybody. So it's an everybody thing. So we're going to be fruitful and we're going to serve well. We have to recognize it's offered to everybody. The offer is open, 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 open. This is not a closed offer. This is not an offer where we turn around and say, wait a minute, have you passed this and do you know these people? And have you gotten a good recommendation? It's to the whole world that we may have everlasting life. It's an offer that is a gift that's beyond what we can see. The scripture goes on to tell us that God didn't do all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger and tell the world, I told you never to eat from the tree. Your disobedience allowed you to eat from the tree. You've been scorned ever since. You've been fighting like you're crazy. He didn't say any of that. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't give any of us an appointment to be accusatory people. I don't think you belong in the kingdom of heaven. How did you get in here? When did you sneak in? Did you, did you pass the, 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 the gate, gate at the front? He didn't give any of us that authority. And he didn't accuse anybody. He simply did this. He came to help and put the world right side up. Basically, he came and took an empty box, turned it right side up, and placed himself in the box and became the light of the world so that we may see and become aware of just who he is. He is the one that can bring all of us out of darkness. He can step into any room, anywhere, and turn the lights on. That's who he is. That's what he does. And he says, anyone who trusts me, anyone who trusts me can have everlasting life. Anyone who believes in me but if you refuse to trust me, then you have already been under a death sentence that you don't even know about. You see these people say, I don't know about God. I don't even know how he works. But you just come and work with me. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you and cover you. 
because some of that will get you in trouble. They say, oh, I got this going on, but, you know, I really don't need God. So um, why don't we get back to each other? That's when you say, Holy Spirit anointing, clarity of my mind, cover me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet because that person doesn't know you and you've called me to work and live and be with that person. Obviously, you have a mission. You want me to serve well. Let me walk in the light. Let me bring the light into this situation. I won't judge this thing, but I'm going to turn around and say, do you got me covered, God? Do you have me all the way covered? Because if he calls us into a place where we know somebody is under a death sentence and he has asked you to come in and bring the light, you have a big job. Because the scripture goes on to say, anybody who fails to believe in the one and true and living God has not been introduced to him. And if we're going to serve well, then we got to be light-carrying servants. Bring the light in if you already have it. If you don't have it, then to serve, well, you first have to get the light. And then you got to want to walk with it and carry it and let it be a part of your life. I'm a picture tent right here for a minute. I used to work with young people, and I'd say, I want them to get 100% light. I wanted them to have the brightest light possible. Lord said, you're not in charge of the light. I'm giving it to you so you can help them carry it. If they get a 20-watt light bulb, if they get a candlelight light bulb, if they get a 40-watt, whatever light they get, allow them to carry it so that they can pass it on to somebody who looks just like them. Stop worrying about whether you had the brightest light in the room. Just get the light and work it out because God will let you carry it into places and you'll look up and say, huh, I'm serving and I didn't even know it was making a difference. Stop worrying about do you have the 100-watt light bulb and does your neighbor have a 75? Lord Jesus, get the light and run on with it. Glad you have the electric to be able to pay for it. In the name of Jesus. Sometimes we worry about things he ain't called us to worry about. He wants us to get the light. And once we get it, will you allow it to move with you? Don't leave it in the in the closet. Don't even leave it in the box. Make sure it's in your heart and carry it everywhere he tells you to go. The Ephesians 2 passage verses 7 through 10 simply says, now God has us where he wants us. That, 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 that sentence grabbed me so tight it almost locked me down in my seat this week. Amen. When you're in a tight situation and the scripture that jumps up that says God has you right where he wants you. Woo! Sometimes that'll make you shout all by yourself. You wait, wait, wait a minute. This is a little uncomfortable. And you have me where? Right where you want me? Okay, God, help me with my situation. Because it says he has us right where he wants us with all the time in the world and the next to shower us with grace and kindness in Jesus' name. That's a praise report. For all the people say, I don't have any time to do this, and I'm too busy doing that, and I'm out of time. God has given you all the time to do that which he has called you to do. Some of this stuff we're doing, he didn't call us. So like last week we said, it's spring cleaning number two. If we're going to serve well, we have to let go of what God didn't call us to do. We're trying to be the top agenda person, and he hasn't called us to be over here. 
He's called us to do these three things well. Can we do those three things well in the glory of the Lord, even though they may be behind the curtain? God didn't call us to be up front. He called us to be obedient. And if he has us right where he wants us and it's uncomfortable, then that means some healing is coming on us. Amen? It goes on to say that saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't even play a major role. Connected back to John. The gift of life is offered to everybody. We didn't develop it. We don't have an action plan for it. To serve well is just to live with who God says you are. But part of that is finding out who you are in Christ Jesus. If you don't have a relationship and you don't have the life, it's a little hard to figure out whether you're live and living in Jesus Christ. And you may say, well, Pastor, um, I think I'm doing pretty good. And I'm, I'm pretty live and living. And, um, and I'm fine. The light is bright, um, but it's at the back of my house. I, I don't keep the lights on in the front of the house. I don't want anybody to break in my house. Newsflash, some of our houses, he says he has us right where we are. If he has told us to turn the lights on in the front room, we need to get up and turn the lights on. Some of us are afraid to make the move that God has called us to do. And in the midst of that, we struggle with this line in Scripture. We don't play the major role. If we did, we probably would go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. Newsflash, we are not the creator. We did not create heaven and earth. We did not create ourselves. We are not the creator. No matter how creative we may display our abilities, we did not create the world. When we arrived into the world, the world was already operating. When you came into your family, I don't care if you was the first, the last, or the middle child. The family was already in existence when you arrived. As my grandmother used to say, I am the same number of years older than you today than I was when you was first born. Don't forget, I was already grown when you got here. Therefore, as humanity, we're not the first ones. And God says we won't be the last ones, but we didn't create this. So part of serving well is understanding you walked into a story already in motion. He called us into salvation. He calls us into relationship. He calls us into the ability to serve. But when he calls us, he expects us to carry the light he gave us, not the one we think we're going to create. Let me jazz it up. No. Just carry the light. If he has called you this season to be a good parent, then the light you're carrying is, I will be a good parent and pray for my children, help them with their homework, and be obedient unto you. I will help them become faithful young people in a tough, cruel world. I will be the parent that will allow myself to hear what they're saying before I make a decision. If he has called us into a relationship where he wants us to work certain places, then it doesn't matter whether they stand on the ceiling in that job. 
If he didn't call you to stand on the ceiling, obedience would give you good sense, even if everybody else seems to have no sense. God is calling us into action so that we would serve as examples of grace, examples of love, examples as mercy. I said to the young people today during confirmation class, I said to them, I said, if you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, first the Spirit has to be awakened in you. You already have patience. You already have goodness. I said, but when the fight breaks out in the cafeteria, if you're the first person to say, go, girl, go, dude, hey, hey, then uh, your fruit in the Spirit is evidence is a little low. We need to see if we can get your flashlight program working. Because something is missing at that moment if you're more interested in letting the, the fight rock and roll than to be an example of peace and grace. You might can't break up the fight, but you sure can tell somebody. Pastor, there wasn't nothing I could do. Really? Newsflash. We all have to be convicted. Whether we're convicted in the car, whether we're convicted in our house, because we are called to serve. The reason that we are called to serve, the reason that that gift of light is important because God says if we're going to be transformed and changed, I'm calling you into relationship and these things need to be done. Let's have some radical repentance. Not just this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. You know I'm going to do better next week. And then did we just keep missing it. Radical repentance says, God, show me where you want me to go. Turn me from walking this way and turn me so I can walk in the right direction. Help me with my unbelief. Give me the tools that I need. Keep me steadfast. Keep me on my knees so I know that you're guiding me. And radical repentance is not doing it over and over and over, but having the willingness to even check yourself. Not that I think I'm sorry. You either are or you aren't. And if you are and you want to go a different direction, then you have to be willing to say, if repentance requires me to say goodbye over here, then ta-ta, see you later, gotta go. Repentance is more than the words, it is an action. Then the great grace and mercy that God offers us is an example of undying love. It is the light that will make the day bright. And then the scripture goes on to talk about the fact that God's work is crucial. As United Methodists, we believe in service. Not just any service, but risk-taking service. If we're going to be risk-takers and do the mission and work that God is calling us to do, then we have to all be willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus. Some of us are okay writing the check, but we're not okay with spending the time. Some of us are okay with talking the talk, but some of us aren't okay with walking the walk. We're good to say, that neighborhood up the street, those kids are bad. But we're not always willing to say, I will be a part of building an after-school program. Walking the walk says you're going to put action with the box and the light, accept the gift and live in it by faith. Why is this important? Because if we are going to serve well, then we got to get honest. We've got to get truthful. 
And we've got to be about the business step by step that God is calling us to be about. Why is that important? Because all of us are in different seasons. When I was in the season and my children were in middle school, I stopped 90% of the work that I was doing in the church and I focused only on ministry that related to my children. I wasn't their teachers. I wasn't their mentors. But I was the behind-the-scene prayer and the behind-the-scenes gatherer of resources to help them go forward. Then one year, the youth minister that I was working with, he said, I need you to go to camp. I said, moi? You want me to go to camp? That's like my weekend free of no children. What? what? You want me to go to camp? Now, I had prayed over camp and taught camp counselors and knew about camp, and he said, and I need you to go to camp. And all my students were turning 16 years old. i never forget that summer. I'm going to be driving in six months. I'm going to be driving in four months. And I kept saying, I'm getting more nervous by the day. But he called me into action. And that was one of the most meaningful, bold summers in my life. Because not only did he bring light into their life, he brought light into mine. He said, you will serve my children. You will be a Titus woman for these girls this year, for this season. You will walk by faith and not by sight. You will step into holy boldness. You will speak truth and with love. And you will be a representative of grace for my daughters this time. I struggled. But he said, in your discomfort, I will be there. And one of the words that I wrote in my journal was that I learned to love God in a whole new kind of way that summer. Those young women are now through college. Some are married. Some have moved on and have their own families. But each of us are called as our saving grace is sent forward. Salvation is not just for you and for me. It is a gift that keeps giving. So if he has saved us, he has called us so that we would serve. We would serve as the light holders. We would serve as the people who can stand in the gaps. It doesn't matter whether you're 12 or 29, 15 or 51, 47 or 58. It doesn't matter what our age is. We are called to stand and be light bearers for Jesus Christ. For he has said to us, you will receive this radical repentance. When I give you grace and mercy, it's not just because, but I've given it to you because it's a sign of my undying love. You will be baptized by faith and your life will be changed and transformed. And in the midst of it, you will carry the light because I love you just that much. It's a gift and the gift is coming today. So if we're going to be called to be light bearers, and we are going to serve well and be fruitful, today is the day that we commit to Jesus Christ, for his way is the way. This is when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. 
And when we move out of darkness, by the grace of God into the light, we will serve with a fullness that's like no other. Regardless of trials and tribulations, pain and suffering, wilderness experiences of the Lenten season, the darkness no longer is dark because the light of God is real. The doors of the church are open. Let us pray.